If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Welcome to the Truth In My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hello all. Today, Sonia is interviewing John about the apparent contradiction in the Bible regarding the year of Jesus' birth. Matthew tells us Jesus was born during the reign of Herod the Great, who, we are told, died in 4 BC. But Luke tells us Jesus was born during a census conducted when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and we are told that this man did not govern until AD 6. Can these assertions be reconciled? It will take several episodes to cover this topic, so if any episode ends with the contradiction still being unresolved, never fear. Tune in to a subsequent episode to find out this challenge addressed in full. If you miss any episodes, you can find them in our podcast. See truthinmydays.com for the location. We hope you enjoy the series. So we'll get into more detail when we cover the issue of textual criticism. Now, some would say that even with the article there, there's something about the syntactical construction that would make that translation clumsy, but it's certainly viable. And if, if we go that route, that is a solution. While, so is that the end of the story then? No, it's a, it's a possible solution, but it's, uh, as I say, even syntactically, it's questionable. And certainly you're not going to convince skeptical scholars who all believe that the article is not there in that verse. I think we can see an awful lot more about how scholarship works and where, where it falls down on the job. Wallace, who believes that the article is not there, and therefore you cannot translate it this way, goes on to say, in conclusion, facile solutions do not come naturally to Luke 2.2. This does not, of course, mean that Luke erred. In agreement with Sherman, Marshall warns against too easy acceptance of the conclusion that Luke has gone astray here. Only the discovery of new historical evidence can lead to a solution of the problem. This is where we must leave the matter. So what Wallace is saying is basically, yeah, as far as we can see, based on all the evidence we have, there's no solution to this problem. But hey, we shouldn't accept the idea that this is a problem because, hey, maybe someday we might discover some new historical evidence to solve the problem. But hasn't that happened for other historical matters in the Bible, like skeptics claiming oh, that this particular people didn't exist and you couldn't answer them at the time, but later on archaeological evidence reveals that there was, in fact, such a people? Yeah, the difference there is that was always an argument from silence. When the Bible talked about, say, the Hittites, and they said that Hittites didn't exist, it wasn't because they had any positive evidence against the existence of Hittites. It's simply because they hadn't found evidence yet. Here, the evidence we found is what supposedly causes the problem. It's not simply people saying, well, we don't have evidence, therefore Luke made a mistake. They're saying, we have the evidence. And the evidence shows that Luke made a mistake. And what Wallace is saying, well, yeah, He's agreeing, basically, the evidence we have does agree that he made a mistake, but maybe someday we'll find some more historical evidence that will turn the situation around. 
does that sound like it's it's going to give confidence to Christians or anybody in the reliability of the New Testament? No. I, I wouldn't think so either. So let's see if we can do better. Okay? And again, remembering that certainly translating as before Quirinius was governor of Syria is an option. But let's see what else we can do. Former United States President Ronald Reagan, in dealing with the Soviets, this famous dictum where he said, trust but verify. Trust but verify. I would say that when it comes to New Testament scholarship or biblical scholarship in general, we should have a little different dictum, and that is never trust, always verify. Always go to see what is the evidence on which the claim is based. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about liberal or evangelical scholarship. A liberal scholarship, we've, we've looked at this a bit before, but it started out with the assumption that supernatural is impossible, and the scholarship was basically to try to debunk Christianity and explain Jesus away as just an ordinary person. And too many of the claims they made, the presuppositions, paradigm assumptions, evangelicals do buy into. So you can never trust, always verify. How do you do that? Well, you need to engage in critical thinking. There are three key questions you always have to ask. Anytime you're a person making an assertion, it's a bald assertion, you said something is this way, hasn't given you evidence, you always have to ask, how do you know? What is your evidence? What are you leaving out? And you have to remember to ask these questions. So let's ask these questions as we look at the charges again. The charge, it is impossible to reconcile Matthew's claim that Jesus was born before the death of Herod with Luke's claim that Jesus was born while Quirinius was governing Syria. Since Herod died in 4 BC and Quirinius did not become governor of Syria until AD 6. So in regard to these charges, what are our scholars not asking that they should be asking? Well, how, how do they know Herod died in 4 BC and Quirinius became governor in 86? Exactly. How do we know Herod died in 4 BC? How do we know Quirinius did not become governor of Syria until 86? They just accept the claims. Nobody seems to bother to double check them to see if these are actually true. Because if those dates are not correct, the whole situation can change. So we have to ask, how do you know Herod died in 4 BC? What is your evidence? How do you know that Quirinius became governor of Syria in AD 6? What is your evidence? Well, the statements are made generally with such confidence that no one thinks to ask. Well, we're going to ask. We're going to look into this. So the first thing we have to do is, how do we know that Herod died in 4 BC? What is that claim based on? Well, it's based mainly on the writings of Josephus. And Josephus was that Jewish historian who lived in the first century from about the year 37 to the year 100. He joined with the Jewish rebels in 66 in that rebellion against Rome that ended up with the destruction of the temple. But he managed to ingratiate himself with the Roman Emperor and lived out the rest of his days in Rome, writing massive volumes of histories. And they're pretty much the best sources we have for the first century history, particularly of anything having to do with Israel. They are the best sources. Now, Josephus, in his book Antiquities of the Jews, section 14.14.5, tells us this. Antony also feasted Herod the first day of his reign, 
And thus did this man receive the kingdom, having obtained it on the 184th Olympiad, which was 40 BC, when Caius Domitius Calvinus was consul the second time, and Caius Asinius Polio. Now, we have a problem here. It's impossible. The 184th Olympiad ended in mid-AD 40, whereas the consulship of these two men listed began in late AD 40 and went into 39. So even in this one paragraph, Josephus contradicts himself. So which of those is correct, 40 or 39? Well, here we have to cross-reference Josephus with a, a Roman historian named Appian, Appian writes of civil war, including the appointment of Herod, but he doesn't give us a date for the appointment of Herod. But we can cross-reference some of the events here with writings of yet another Roman historian, Dio Cassius, who describes the same events without mentioning Herod. So when you compare these different sources, you do get the date. This happened in the year 39, 39 BC, not AD, BC. Happened in 39 BC. Okay, so it wasn't 40 and it wasn't on the 184th Olympiad. So, furthermore, Josephus is clear that it was a midwinter trip and that his friend Antony was there, Antonius. But Antonius wasn't there in the winter of 41 to 40 or 39 to 38. So, it had to be 39 BC. So, that's the first thing to note. We can fix the start of Herod's reign to 39 BC. And we know right away that Josephus is not exactly that super accurate historian that we might like him to be. Now let's continue. Josephus goes on to tell us this. Herod obtained the kingship for himself when he had Antigonus killed, quote, when Marcus Agrippa and Caninius Gallus were consuls of Rome on the 185th Olympiad on the third month on the solemnity of the fast. So that's A.D. 37. And then in Antiquities, in section 17.8.1, he tells us this. When he had done these things, he died the fifth day after he had caused Antipater to be slain, having reigned since he had procured Antigonus to be slain 34 years, but since he had been declared king by the Romans, 37. Now, isn't that interesting? If he took office in 39 B.C., and he reigned 37. What does that take you to? 2 B.C. 2 B.C., not 4. Not 4. So why does everyone think it's 4 B.C.? We'll see why. It becomes a little problem for them with 2 B.C. Josephus goes on to tell us that Philip the Tetrarch, who was mentioned in the Bible. Remember, this is, this is the Philip who was married to Herodias. And Herodias divorced Philip to marry Herod. Remember John the Baptist giving Herod a hard time saying it is not lawful for you to do, have your brother's wife? Oh, and that's what got him beheaded. That's what ended up getting him beheaded in the end, yes. It's that Philip the Tetrarch. Now, Josephus tells us that Philip started his reign in 4 or 3 BC. Now, about this time it was Philip, Herod's brother, departed his life in the 20th year of the reign of Tiberius after he had been tetrarch of Trachonitis and Gaulonitis, and of the nation of the Bataneans, also 37 years. Then we also find out this. And here's where you get a, a fun thing. Herod died after a lunar eclipse. In Antiquity 17.6.4, Josephus writes, 
Herod deprived this Matthias of the high priesthood and burnt the other Matthias, who had raised the sedition with his companions alive. And that very night there was an eclipse of the moon. Josephus in the next few sections tells of the events between the eclipse and the death of Herod, and then between his death and Passover. So his death can be linked in close proximity to a lunar eclipse. Well, we, we can calculate back when lunar eclipses happened, and we do. And we find there was a lunar eclipse on March 13th, 4 BC, about 29 days before Passover. So here's the problem. See, 2 BC, 3 BC doesn't have, supposedly doesn't have the eclipse they need. 4 BC does. So they backed it. Instead of 3 BC, they go to 4 BC to match the eclipse. So when they say it's based on data and Josephus, it isn't really. It has to be adjusted. His chronological data doesn't line up with what he said about the eclipse. And they'll go with the eclipse, and they will put his death into the year 4 BC. And that's how he came up with it. Now, does that sound convincing so far? It sounds like there are all these confusing little mistakes. It's even hard to keep track. It is, yeah. But let's see where the trouble now begins. Well, we saw before about when Herod obtained the kingship from, we looked at that, 37 BC. It looks convincing, but wait. Okay. As we pointed out, he also gave us this other information, and they don't agree with each other. We already saw that it couldn't have been in mid-40. had to have been in 39. We saw that, 39 BC. We look at Appian's data, cross-reference of Dio Cassius, as we said, we bring the beginning of Herod's reign to 39 BC. We saw what he said in Josephus about Antony feasting with Herod the first day of his reign. The bottom line, as we pointed out, Herod was proclaimed king in 39 BC. 39 BC is the only possible date based on everything that we've been told by Josephus. Thank you everyone for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. But please join us for the next part tomorrow. Same time and same place. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. <laughs>